0: We want to express our appreciation to the choir of the Huntersville Presbyterian Church uh, for being with us this week and for this lovely music. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, we come now to our lesson. The seasons are changing and many of us need to change our lives. There are responsibilities that we owe to friends and family which we need to attend to. There is the voice of Christ constantly calling us to come unto him and which we often turn away from. And so we pray that you will speak to us in these minutes of worship that are left to us and that you will take the gifts which we have brought today and guide their use, that they may bring glory to your own name, that they may bring many people to a saving knowledge of the Redeemer and that they may bring many people into a change of life and mind and heart that will honor you. We do pray, Father, for your blessing. Now make the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I promised someone that I would preach this sermon again even though I have preached it eight times on Sunday morning during the 30 years that I've been here. And an interesting thing to me is that one of our elders has preached it three times on visits that he has made to other churches. And still the more wonderful thing is that it isn't my sermon at all. Dr. Clarence Edward McCartney, a name which I hope you will learn Dr. McCartney was the senior minister of the First Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania uh, for over a quarter of a century. Prior to that, he was 16 years the pastor of the Arch Street Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. He was a great scholar and a remarkably gifted minister with one of those wonderful voices that could reach out and touch someone and really bring them closer to the Lord. He had a great knowledge of the Bible. He had an enormous gift of the English language. And in October the 10th, 1915, he decided that he would walk down the street to the Jefferson Medical College. where he was to bring devotions at a sort of chapel program that was held there. Can you imagine that in a medical school chapel when today you can't even go in a public school? But Dr. McCartney walking in that direction and having read that morning Paul's last words to his young son in the faith, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4 which I if you want to look through the things in your bulletin you can find it printed in the Phillips translation which is uh, an excellent translation look at it I solemnly charge you Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom to preach the word Never lose your sense of urgency in season or out of season. Reprove, correct, and encourage, using the utmost patience in your teaching. For the time is coming when men will not tolerate wholesome teaching. When you get the ordination of homosexuals in New York now, you've got a time in which men will not tolerate wholesome teaching. They will want something to tickle their own fancies, and they will collect teachers who will speak what they want to hear. They will no longer listen to the truth, but will wander off after man made myths. For yourself, when a man's about to die, he will tell you the truth. For yourself, keep your mind sane and balanced meeting whatever suffering this may involve. Go on steadily preaching the gospel. Carry out the full commission that God gave you. As for me, I feel that the last drops of my life are being poured out for God. The time for my departure has arrived. The glorious fight that God gave me I have fought. The course that I was set I have finished and I have kept the faith. Faithful to the fight and faithful to the finish. The future for me holds the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the true judge, will give to me at that day. And not, of course, only to me but to all those who have loved what they have seen of him. That's giving as much of yourself as you know how to as much of him as you understand. Do your best to come to me as soon as you can and hear the sad words. Demas, loving this present world I fear, has left me and gone to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus is away to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me now. The man I was with this week was a physician. We were talking about his days at Jefferson Medical College, and I asked him if he knew where the Arch Street Church was and if he'd ever been there, and he said yes, that he had. We talked about the colors, and it gave me an opportunity to preach this sermon to him. And, uh, I, you know, thinking about this, sometimes Luke, the beloved physician, The doctor's face is usually the first face you see when you come in the world. And I was over at the hospital the other day waiting for a man to die. And the doctor's face is usually the last face you see when you go out of the world. Only Luke is with me. A man who has some friends In a time, you know the Latins had a saying, you know that balance thing that you put stuff on either side and all that. They said adversity, adversity, trouble, is the only balance on which to weigh your friends. It's worth remembering. Here Paul is in prison in Rome. And Luke is with him. And he wants Timothy to come. When you come, pick up Mark and bring him with you. I love this. I can certainly find a ministry for him here. Now remember Mark was one of those who had run away from Paul on a trip. And yet when Barnabas had had the good sense to give Mark a second chance... Now Paul in his dying days or weeks or months says, bring Mark. I can find a place of ministry for him here. Don't write people off as though they can never be used again. I had to send Tychicus off to Ephesus. Please bring with you the cloak which I left with Carpus at Troas. It was getting cold. Winter was setting in. He could feel the chill in his bones. It was a blistering hot day in August that I went down into the same dungeon that Paul is believed to have been in when he wrote this letter. And it was cold down in that dungeon even in August. And I wonder what it would be like when winter begins to set in. Please bring with you the cloak which I left with Carpus at Troas. And scholar to the end, he says, bring the books. Bring the books. What is that? Probably collections of the sayings of Jesus. Probably parts of the Old Testament especially the manuscripts, the parchments. Then he warns him, Alexander the coppersmith did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will reward him for what he did. That's what the children's lesson was about. And I should be very careful of him if I were you, says Paul. He has been a bitter opponent of our teaching. The first time I had to defend myself no one was on my side. They all deserted me. God forgive them. Yet the Lord himself stood by me and gave me the strength to proclaim the message clearly and fully so that the Gentiles could hear it. And I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The lion may have been Nero. The crazy emperor of Rome at this time Paul Was a man who describes himself as Paul the aged He couldn't have been more than 62 to maybe 64 years old Also Satan is described as a roaring lion But here Paul says the Lord will rescue me rescued me from the lion's mouth, and I am sure the Lord will rescue me from every evil plot and will keep me safe until I reach his heavenly kingdom. Glory be to him forever and ever. Amen. Give my love to Prisca and Aquila and Onesiphorus and his family. There's a remarkable Capacity in Paul to win friends. Yesterday I talked to a competent New Testament scholar. Who told me that whole books have been written on the 16th chapter of Romans. Which is just one long list of names. Of people that Paul called his friends. And here he refers to these friends who helped him. Erastus is staying on at Corinth. Trophimus, I had to leave sick at Miletus. Now here's the key. Do your best to get here before winter. Ebulus, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all here send their greetings to you. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Now then, come before winter. Why before winter? You come before winter because if Timothy was in Ephesus, the big port city, and tried to sail from there, after the winter storms begin, there is no more sailing until spring. If you'd gone a hundred miles from Ephesus down to Miletus, another port, and said, I want to get a ship to go to Rome. If he had put off, going immediately, winter would set in. And once the winter storms start, we know what kind of storms would hit that area because all you've got to do is to read the 27th and 28th chapter of the book of Acts. And you can see a horrible storm that comes in winter there. So Paul says, come before winter. Now, this tells us that each one of us has things that we need to do in a timely fashion. Dr. McCartney, that day that he walked down to the Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson Medical College, Walk down there thinking about the fact that those beautiful leaves, yellow and red and orange and purple, would soon begin to turn brown, that the hard driving cold rains would come. The temperature would fall and freeze and would send the leaves swirling over the meadows and the lawns. The ponds would turn to ice and the stubborn season of winter would take its stand and snow would fall. So here, here the blessed apostle is reminding Timothy that he wants him very much. Now I think Timothy probably went immediately to Paul because they had the right chemistry, they loved each other and they worked together for the Lord beautifully. But if Timothy had not come and the ships had all closed their sailing times for Rome. Timothy would have gone through that winter wondering what had happened and as soon as spring came he would have taken the first shipping that he could get and head for Rome and once he got there he would go to that old Mamerton prison and Dr. McCartney in his imagination says suppose he came in and said to the guard I've come here to see a prisoner named Paul and the guard said we don't have any prisoner named Paul and then he found some of these names that are mentioned here, Ebulus, Claudia Onesiphorus he sees some of these people that are that are there in Rome and he Goes to visit them and says, We're fellow Christians. Tell me where Paul is. I went to the prison and they said he's not there. And someone said, You must be Timothy. The last words he ever said was, Give Timothy my love. Tell Timothy to stand strong for the Lord. Tell Timothy. I'll meet him at God's right hand. Now, that shows us the never lose your sense of urgency, he says here. When McCartney spoke these words to those medical students at Jefferson Medical College, he said, you cannot change your character at any time you want to. You may have problems with some frightful habit that has enslaved and changed you down. Rip Van Winkle used to take up the jug and say, I won't count this time. And he wouldn't count it. But nonetheless, down in his brain cells, it was being registered. And the next time, it would be more difficult for him to quit. There are times when, like that angel at the pool of Bethesda, God troubles the waters. And if you get in at that time, you can make a firm, clean, hard stand, and one that will keep. There are amendments of character that can take place then. Seasons of the heart, just like there are seasons of the year, I can remember once, uh, Ed and I were talking before we came out this morning about some Ross Perot thing, and right outside of uh, Texarkana is a little town named Hooks, and the claim to fame at Hooks is Billy Sims, who was a great running back. Uh, I can remember a boy that I was in junior college with. In 1948, I remember him very well because I tried to bear a testimony to him. I had come to the Lord and was trying to fight off a call to preach. I wanted to go into politics and law and I tried to get preaching out of my mind and the Lord wouldn't get away from me. He kept after me, and I tried to witness to this boy, and he was my friend. He lived in Hooks. I lived in a town about 80 miles away. Well, the years went by. I went into the ministry, came up here, and went back out there for a revival meeting. That boy's father was a deputy sheriff, and he was a very tough, hard, Hard man. When I went there and preached in the church, he came to the service. Like many of you are here this morning, he listened to what I had to say. And God had spoken to him because his wife had died. And as sorry as he was, he loved his wife. And when she died, it broke his heart. He had become a Christian through the cleansing of sorrow because he wanted with all of his heart to see his wife again in heaven and she was a Christian. And he said to me, you know my boy. You were in school with him. He liked you. He's going down the same path that I went down. He's doing the same terrible things that I've done. I can't talk to him. He won't listen to me. But go to him now. His heart's tender now. He's thinking about his mother. You can speak a word to him about Christ. And he'll listen. He'll listen to you. So there is a time for the soul to make the move. And take advantage of that opportunity to yield to the Lord. There is a second thing that I want to say. That McCartney said that morning, there is a responsibility which we have to loved ones and friends. Things that we know that we ought to do, letters that we ought to write, people that we ought to see. Many of you were here on Sunday, September the 13th when Franklin Graham introduced George Hoffman and George spoke to us here. George uh, is a star worker among those people who were working in Bosnia and in former Yugoslavia, a man who had won the order of the British Empire for his valor. Yesterday afternoon, I got a telephone call. The lady on the telephone was weeping. George was killed yesterday. Just September the 13th, today is October the 18th. That many days ago, he stood right here and spoke to you. Now, he's gone to the Lord. When McCartney spoke, there was a young man present who heard him say, come before winter, come before winter, come before winter. And the words kept ringing in his ears. He went into the library and picked up a magazine to read. Then he thought, I need to write my mother she lived in New Galilee, Pennsylvania. And he took a pen and he wrote his mother a letter and in that letter he said all those wonderful things which a mother loves to hear. He put it in the mail. Three days later someone came into class and tapped him on the shoulder and handed him one of the yellow envelopes of the Western Union a telegram it said come quickly mother is dying he went down to the train station and got the train to Pittsburgh and then from there on to New Galilee his brother met him at the station and drove as fast as they could to the farm where they'd grown up He went up the stairs into his mother's room and saw her smile at him. And then she died. He saw the corner of something sticking out under the pillow and he pulled out the letter that he had written to his mother. She had tucked it under her pillow is something to comfort her in her pain as she entered the dark waters of death. There are things that if we do not do them, when we have the chance to do them the opportunity will pass away. That's why I've spoken as many times as I have on this particular theme thirdly there is the voice of Christ calling Jesus Christ is calling to us I found an old hymn and had the secretary run it off and put it in the bulletin one of the names on that list of people that Paul talks about in the last part of Second Timothy is a man by the name of Trophimus and Trophimus was with Paul in jail one time he had left him at Miletus sick but when Paul had been in jail he had been jailed in Caesarea first he was captured in Jerusalem then transported to Caesarea the Roman capital then he appealed to Rome and made his journey there and in the time that he was in prison a Roman governor by the name of Felix who was a very corrupt official married to a Jewess whose name was Drusilla told her about this prisoner who believed in a Christos, Christ, the Messiah. And they, thinking it would be entertaining to have this learned Jewish rabbi leading this new belief in Jesus, the Messiah, to speak to them, sent for Paul. And Paul came into his presence. And Paul spoke to Felix. And the book of Acts tells us that he reasoned with him concerning righteousness. This was a man who had stole another man's wife and was living with her, who had done many evil things. But Paul preached to him concerning righteousness and temperance and the judgment to come. Well, the entertainment value promptly went away. And the old King James translation tells us that Felix trembled. He shook. George Fox, the founder of the Quakers, could go before a judge when he was arrested for preaching and teaching. And the reason they called him Quakers was that the judge was quaking when he heard George Fox preach. Well, Felix called for the guards and said take this prisoner away and he said I will hear him when I have a more convenient season and then right after that Paul preached to another Roman governor whose name was Agrippa and Festus was the Roman Agrippa was Jewish but Agrippa was so taken with what Paul said that he said, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Now some of these old gospel songs are not the greatest music nor poetry. But look at this pink sheet. Almost persuaded now to believe. Almost persuaded Christ to receive Seems now some soul to say Go spirit, go thy way Some more convenient day on thee I'll call Almost persuaded, come, come today Almost persuaded, turn not away Jesus invites you here Angels are lingering near prayers rise from hearts so dear. A lady told me if you preach that sermon, I'm bringing someone to church. Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost, cannot avail, almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter wail. Almost, but lost. If the gospel is true, and it is, and if to accept Jesus Christ or to reject him spells out where you will spend eternity, this is a very important moment for you. You can give your heart to him and accept him as your Savior and Lord. Just give as much of yourself as you know how to give to as much of him as you can understand. If you would like to demonstrate that by coming forward here, we will be glad to meet with you and help you to clarify the meaning of the action that you take. But I invite you to come forward or to speak with one of us after the service. Let's stand and sing Almost persuaded. Let's bow in prayer. I want to say that no one should ever preach a sermon like this <coughs> without giving an opportunity to act upon it. And we have. But sometimes it's not easy to walk forward in front of a crowd of people. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, may I ask you if you simply want the prayers of a Christian friend so that you might make the decision that you need to make for Christ. You're not a Christian, you want to become one. Or you have wandered away from him and you want to come back. I won't embarrass you in any way. Just slip your hand up, then take it down. Is there anyone? Our Father you can see our hearts, you know where we stand with you. We ask you to speak to us this day. There are things we need to do and get them done now. And so we pray that you will lead us to those decisions which will honor Jesus the most. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father, and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and our guide, be and abide with us all now and forevermore.